Welcome to Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. Welcome to another podcast episode of Merkaba Chakras. I'm your host, Vaughn Galt. And today, I am going to investigate the claims that the mRNA vaccines have cytotoxic ingredients called graphene oxide and how it also harms people and is used in connecting human brains to AI and the internet through the electromagnetic properties in graphene. This is cancer research applied into the mRNA vaccines among other emerging technologies. So the idea of transhumanism through the mRNA vaccine and connecting to radio waves is not science fiction after all. It's actually practice medicine that is emerging very, very quickly. And many of us in the public are completely unaware that it has been happening and we are coming close to understanding it for the first time through our encounters with the effects of the mRNA vaccine. So let's take a look at all the scientific information regarding this technology that is in the vaccines and what it does to the human body. If you guys are watching this in YouTube, go below to the description to find the other websites in which the full presentation is going to be on. And in those other websites, in the descriptions there, you will get the links of all of the videos and the scientific research going over every single one of the information that I present in this video presentation. If you are watching or listening on any of the 65 podcast sites, this recording will play uninterrupted. So for you on YouTube, I will see you soon. For everyone else, let's begin. So the first thing I'm going to do is um, I'm going to share my screen. Okay, share my screen here. Okay, I'm sharing my screen. And basically what we're looking at is this video of what is graphene oxide? Okay, because you're probably all wondering because you're not in the medical field or anything else and you don't, you don't keep up with the emerging technologies that have come through, but this is an ingredient that uh, was developed. It comes in many forms. And basically it is an ingredient that has magnetic properties, okay? So let's just take a look at one of the ways in which graphene oxide um, looks like. So this is a video.
so that was very interesting. And that is graphene oxide with liquid in it, any kind of water. And that's kind of like the blob <laughs> that you see in some sci-fi movies moving around. So maybe that is explaining uh, what is happening to certain people vaccinated or unvaccinated um, in terms of the magnetic properties that, um, that they're exploring in those magnet challenges. So that, that aspect of the story will evolve, but this is what graphene is. And let's take a look also at the emerging technology of this ingredient of graphene oxide in our food. So I'm going to go over here. So this is another video um, from a university study. And basically they're going over the new invention of using graphene in food to barcode food. So if you are in the grocery store and you see barcoded food like this, the high percentage that it is graphene. And the researchers will go over why they put graphene into food. So let's take a look at this. We've been able to make graphene on many different substrates. Previously, we could only make graphene on materials that that were like uh, polyimid, a particular type of polymer. But now what we found is by tuning the laser a little bit differently and defocusing the laser, which first carbonizes the material, and then we take the carbonized material and convert it into graphene. So what you see here is you don't see ink. This is not ink. This is not the addition of ink to a material. This is taking the material itself, the wood itself, and converting it into graphene. And the laser allows us to write it into any pattern that we wish. This is on a piece of wood, or we can do it even on foods, like this is a potato. So remember what graphene is. It's these single atomic thick sheets of graphite and now we take these and we put a few of them on top of each other as we convert the material itself a piece of bread and so you can convert the carbohydrates that are within bread to graphene or we can do it on a coconut so you can take a coconut and convert that into graphene now why would we want to have something like this this is all conductive and so it can conduct electricity. So what we can do now is we can make electronics embedded within fabrics and make electronics embedded within wood. So right now we're gonna be lacing a cardboard box here. And the significance of being able to put electronic traces on cardboard boxes is, is that it has a lot of potential commercial significance in being able to write RFID tags directly on boxes so you can either test, tell where it's been or you can put a sensor on the box and see what kind of conditions it's been exposed to. Currently, people are using RFID tags that have been manufactured and they attach them to the boxes, but being able to directly convert a box would be really valuable. Why would one want edible electronics? Well, first of all, let me start with, very often we don't see the advantage of something early on, but when we make it available, people start seeing the real advantage. So can you even take have electronics embedded on food and then say use this as a heat circuit 
to heat the food more easily. If there's say an RFID tag written onto this potato, where has it been? How long has it been stored? Where did, where, what, what's its country of origin and its city of origin? And what path did it go to to get to your table? All that can be embedded not on a separate tag that's placed on the food, but directly on the food itself. And these can also have sensors, sensors that would detect E. coli, sensors that would detect microorganisms that you might not want that could immediately light up and give you a signal that you don't want to eat this. So being able to barcode food, in a sense, could have real advantages. classic scene from 1967, The Graduate, where young Benjamin has just graduated from college and his parents hold a party for him. And at this party, he's corralled by a friend of the family who comes over to him, puts his arms around young Ben, and he says, I have just one word to tell you, plastics. Because in 1967, it looked like that was the future, the plastics industry. We don't know if young Ben got into it or not. I think he was more interested in getting into Mrs. Robinson. But anyway, it was interesting. And it really turned out to, to usher in the era of plastics. If that movie were remade today, the word might be graphene, which is a fascinating material that uh, was first really categorized in 2004 by two Nobel Prize winners, or eventual Nobel Prize winners, they got the Nobel Prize in 2010, for basically doing fundamental research on graphene. Well, let me tell you about graphene. In fact, let me demonstrate it for you, because it's easy to do. All you need is a pencil. I have my pencil here. This is a, a treasured one, actually, because I got it in the Ritz Hotel in London. And uh, that has good memories. Anyway. Take a piece of paper, you make a mark on the paper with the graphite. It isn't lead, it's graphite. Then you take a piece of scotch tape, like that, and you put it over the dot you just made, and you strip it off, and what you then have is a thinner layer of graphite. Then you take another piece of scotch tape, and you put it on top of the one that you have just stripped off and strip it off again. Now you have an even thinner layer of graphite. Now imagine doing that over and over again until you have just one layer of graphite and that's when you have graphene. And it turns out that that graphene has properties that are very different from graphite. It is stronger than steel. It is more flexible than any known material. It uh, carries electricity better than any known material, that it's more conductive. It also conducts heat extremely well. And now it's possible to make that in larger amounts. They've already used it to put it into hockey sticks, for example, make it stronger, or to, to tennis uh, rackets. But uh, more recently, this material, graphene, was used in the making of some masks. 
because it also has the ability of filtering substances. Just about nothing gets through it. But you can make a very thin layer of, of uh, graphene with tiny microscopic holes in it that will allow air to go through, but nothing else to go through. However, there's a but that has come up because Health Canada has said that they discovered that there was something being released by these graphene masks that could cause pulmonary problems. And they said that these masks, which had been distributed in Quebec now for about six months to schools and daycare centers, should not be used. They should be put away and stored until we get further information. We haven't yet gotten any further information. I don't know what they discovered. I don't know what they found coming off of these masks. If it was tiny particles of graphene, it is possible, unlikely. We don't know what the size is. We don't know what the shape of these things is. So we really have to wait to find out what they really discovered and uh, what is the potential problem with using graphene in face masks because it has also a positive potential for filtering. So we just have to wait and see. But for now, of course, we should abide by Health Canada's admonition and not use those, uh, those masks. But uh, for the final advice here, I turn to my colleague, Sherlock Holmes, uh, who I consult regularly because he is so good at making observations and coming to conclusions. And let me remind you of his famous dictum. It is a capital mistake to theorize before one has the facts because one insensibly begins to fit the facts to the theory instead of the other way around. So before throwing out the baby with the bathwater, let's wait to see what the information is that Health Canada has gathered about graphene masks and not vilify graphene as a material because as I said it has huge potential in many, many areas. So we will wait and see, but for now, we stay away from the masks that uh, Health Canada has suggested are somewhat unsafe because of something coming out of these masks that can be inhaled. Okay, so that is the information on graphene to label foods. And that study and research is done at Rice University by different chemists there. And just like James Tour, the researcher said that basically when they brand food with graphene, the, the material, it sends, it has properties that connects to electromagnetic waves. So basically it's sending information about the product that it is barcoded on like the potato. And it's sending the information to basically the internet, okay? Because AI functions on the internet. So whatever mega computer is getting the information about that potato, about that food product. And um, that is where the information from the food that the graphene is on is sent to. Um, it sounds pretty cool, pretty revolutionary, except for we're going to learn a little bit more about the cytotoxicity of graphene inside the human body. And there's a lot of medical research that graphene inside the human body, whether you get it through um, the foods that you drink and eat, or you get it through um, inoculations such as vaccines, the research shows that it is not healthy for people. 
regardless of its magnetic properties to be able to communicate the product, in this case, food, with the, the AI interface of the internet that is getting the information. So um, let's take a look at another piece of information. So why is, why is graphene so toxic to the human body? Okay, because it has a lot of great properties um, and they, they are using graphene in building uh, sports flows because it's really lightweight. It has um, heating connectivity elements to it. It can connect to radio waves. So there's a lot of really great elements to it when you're wearing it in clothes, which that seems fine because it's not going in your body. But let's see what the medical research on graphene says. So this article here, which you're gonna find in the description, this article here is toxicity evaluation of graphene oxide in the kidneys of Sprague Dolly rats. So if you remember when you watch my COVID series of investigating the censored or uncovered or suppressed information about the mRNA vaccines, the episode where I go over the animal trials, they actually use the same rat. Um, and this article is from MDPI, the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health. Uh, when you go through these articles, just to, just to understand the people that work in them, you can put your finger over the highlighted names and they will, it will show up their profiles, okay? All the authors and, and you can go through their CVs. But um, this one is often sponsored by the NIH, National Institute of Health, which when you look at enough of these medical research, um, a lot of it is funded by the NIH, okay? So um, emerging technology, but anyways, so with this one, I want to highlight some areas in the abstract. And of course you can download the PDF if you wanna go over the exact science of how they get the information to come up with their abstract. But basically here, I'm gonna read the abstract for the podcast listeners. So the abstract of this article basically is this. However, the reports on the potential toxicity of graphene oxide hyphen as GO, G-O, in biological systems are few. The present study investigated the response of kidneys in male Sprague Dolly rats following exposure to 0, 10, 20, and 40 micrograms of GO for five days. The results showed that administration of GOES significantly increase the activities of superoxide dismutase, catalase, and glutathione peroxidase in a dose-dependent manner in the kidneys compared with the control group. Serum creatinine and blood urine nitrogen levels were also significantly increased in rats intoxicated with GO compared to the control group. 
Okay. So what does that say basically? What they're basically saying is medical, it's medical speak that basically says when they apply GO, which is graphene oxide to the rats, when they administered it to the rats through inoculation of um, 10, 20, or 40 milligrams or micrograms, uh, basically the kidneys started to shut down. And remember when I did the episode on the Pfizer animal trials in the rats, much of um, the nanoparticles would cluster into the kidneys. So here is another consistent research that's saying the same exact things. Also, we're gonna go to another part of this abstract. In the present work, however, we only provide preliminary information on toxicity of GO in rats. Further experimental verification and mechanism elucidation are required before GO is widely used for biomedical applications. Okay. So this article was published in 2016 and they were saying, do not use graphene oxide or GO in biomedical applications until further study is done because the animal trials of it in rats showed toxicity levels and basically harm the animals and eventually killed all the animals. Okay, so let's go to more information. I highlighted, I highlighted some parts to read to you guys. So it says here in the document, although the biological applications of GO have not been well studied, its biocompatibility was studied successfully in fibroblast cells, and it has been employed as a carrier of controlled drug delivery and release of anti-cancer drugs. So in short, they're using GO, graphene oxide, in cancer research and drugs. Let's read some more. GO administration in mice induced chronic toxicity and lung granuloma death. In other studies, dose-dependent pulmonary toxicity and granulomatous lesions, pulmonary edema fibrosis, and inflammatory cell infiltrations were also found after GO administration. Okay, so let me, let, me, let me summarize that real quick, what they're saying in medical jargon. When they administered GO in the rats, what basically they found in the mice is that the mice developed chronic issues to their lungs. It also produced death. And in other studies, it created 
um, heart issues. It also created lesions, um, fibrosis, and inflamed cells. So um, basically, it's harming the, the mice. This article further goes to the study of Schwinwald reported a pulmonary inflammatory response in rats after BSA-capped graphene administration. The number of in vivo studies, live studies, based on tissue distribution and excretion of graphene is gradually increased. So when they administered GO, heart inflammation in the rats was common. Does that sound a little bit familiar with all the, the news articles of people who are vaccinated um, that many are showing with heart inflammation? which is a serious thing, any kind of heart inflammation, that's basically a heart attack, okay? That's, that's deadly, um, the more that you have it. So they kept on with the dose finding studies to see how much of GO or graphene oxide can these mice take before they basically die. So um, they, they do it in micro doses. And remember on the Pfizer clinical trials research that I showed in a previous episode, I showed that they were doing different doses for different, for different groups. And they're basically doing a dose finding study to see how much humans can take of these mRNA vaccines, okay? Let's go into more of this. Okay, more of this is that the small particle size allows NP several potential routes of entry into the blood, including inhalation, ingestion, or injection. So what they're basically saying is because GO or graphene oxide is so small, like a nanoparticles, um, it can be taken into the test subjects through inhalation, so like nasal sprays, and they are coming out with nasal sprays um, for the COVID-19 vaccines with nasal spray. Um, you can ingest it, like eating it or drinking it, um, or injection, such as the vaccine. So those are the, the, the three different ways that they have been using GO in the test subjects. So there's different ways in which they can administer it. Once inside, NPs may translocate into the bloodstream and result in adverse biological reactions in severe or in several organs, which are considered to be secondary sites of interaction. So what they're basically saying is that once they put GO inside the test subjects, it travels through the bloodstream and the result is adverse biological reactions. So adverse side effects or life-threatening issues developed in various organs. So they already know this when they administer GO on the test subjects of rats and mice. Okay, the next thing
Let's go down to, I had it as a couple of major parts to read to you guys when I read through the material. But if you want to read the full thing on your own, you can click on the link and read it. So the next thing I highlighted was, since the major function of kidneys is to eliminate a variety of potential harmful substances, including the potential excretion of NPs, these organs are extremely important targets for investigation with regard to nanoparticle exposure and hazard. So when medical science has been researching graphene oxide in various vaccines, um, inhalants, et cetera, on the test subjects of rats, they were particularly interested to see um, you know, what the harmful side effects of it on various organs. So what all the different nanoparticles in graphene oxide, what does it do to the organs of the rat? So I'm going to go through. I have a printout here, so because there's a lot of stuff here. 3.5. So we're going to scroll through and then, and you can kind of see the, the study and the scientific graphs for how they prove their research. Um, and I always say that when you see a hyperlink in the document, click on that because that will go to further um, scientific information in the research that they've been doing to explain that aspect of the, um, of the summary. See, and here's a microscopic picture of the graphene oxide in the bloodstream. So they knew that when they apply gold, it's going to travel all the way through the blood and go into major organs. And that's what nanoparticles do. Okay, so I'm going to read this part for you guys. However, the kidneys of 10, 20, and 40 micrograms of goal-exposed rats showed morphological alterations. The kidneys of 10 micrograms exposed rats showed tubular dilation and renal tubular separation, whereas the kidneys of 20 micrograms exposed rats showed tubular necrosis disintegration of tube, tubules, degeneration of hematopoietic tissue and esonophilic exudates. Further, the kidney of rats exposed to 40 micrograms, progressive dilation of tubules, tubular necrosis, renal tubular separation, degeneration of hema Topic tissue and tubular lumen were observed. Okay, so let's break this up because this is why people don't read medical research because it's dry and it gets confusing. 
And I really think a lot of the information is in the details because people don't understand what these words mean. So I'm going to break this down for you guys. When you're doing your own research on the medical research of different things and you want to know well, what's that, um, I already showed you that you can find these articles on scholar.google.com and it'll pull up all the medical research that has been published. So let's research what happens to the rats when they get administered gold. So they, they're doing it in 10, 20, and 40 micrograms. And so in 10, they showed tubular dilation. So let's look up what is tubular dilation. Tubular dilation. Um, tubular dilation are tracts running through the cortex and outer medulla is associated with degeneration and necrosis. Um, here's, another, here's another one. What is the function of tubular? It filtrates water salts and reabsorbs into the blood of the network of capillaries around the tubulars. Okay, so basically function. So go back to that here. Renal, so the tubes around the, the anus. Okay, so they start separating. Okay, so the cells that make up the tubes around the anus and different areas of the rat, they were separating. Oh, so the body's coming apart, basically. Um, and what is tubular necrosis? So let's copy that because they administered 20 micrograms um, to the rats. And this is what they showed in the kidneys. So let's go back to the rats. What is tubular necrosis? It is a condition that causes the lack of oxygen and blood flow to the kidneys. Great. So the rats basically lack oxygen and blood flow to the kidneys. Well, that's, that does not sound very pleasant. Let's see what else happens to these rats when they keep on administering gold. Um, degeneration of hematopic tissue. Define this big long word for us. What is Okay, so hematopoietic stem cell is basically injured tissues. Okay, you can read more about what that is like. All right, so let's let's go on and see what else. Uh, how, what other ways that go is um, destroying the the rat subjects? Um, when they get up to forty micrograms, when they go up 
into higher numbers. They have a, let me see, separation of the renal and all the different tubulars in their area, degeneration of tissues. So we went over that again. So basically, and here's an image of what it looks like um, under a microscope when they were administering gold into um, the Sprague Dolly rats. Basically, you can see the image that the cells were starting to break apart. They didn't look the same. Sounds painful. Um, so let's go down on the discussion area. So for discussion, nanoparticles, nanomaterials have been shown to enter systemic circulation. Therefore, they have the potential to cause organ damage throughout the body. Uh, they obviously showed that in this research. Those organs are extensive blood supply, such as liver, spleen, and kidneys are especially vulnerable. That's interesting because in the Pfizer clinical trials um, research, and we went through the internal Pfizer document in a previous episode, when they administered the Pfizer vaccine, the kidneys, the spleen, and the liver were especially vulnerable to all the nanoparticles clustering over there. So it seems to be the same thing when they administer um, graphene oxide to rats to see what happens. Let's see what else they say. The kidneys play a particularly important role as they are capable of filtering NPEs out of the systemic circulation. In doing so, they are increasingly exposed to damage via those NPs they have filtered from blood. Morphological, pathological, and cellular changes from exposure to NPs that eventually lead to renal dysfunction have been studied. Okay, so um, you're going to have some bleeding and some issues with um, your bowel movements from this because this research shows that the cells fall apart. Uh, let's see what else they say. However, few studies have discussed the potential toxic effects of NPs on renal tubular and glomerular targets. Nanomaterials are known to affect tissue or disrupt with psychological process by generation of reactive oxygen species. The antioxidant defenses comprising the enzyme and non-enzyme Enzymatic are particularly essential because they are responsible for the direct removal of free radicals, thus providing conferring protection for biological tissues, including kidneys. So, um, yeah, just a summation of basically the research there. So the nanoparticles cluster to these major organs and basically destroy them. Um, Let's go down to the conclusions, okay? You get the basic idea. You can, you can read 15 pages of how basically the rats get messed up by being administered graphene oxide into their body um, because nanoparticles cluster into major organs and then basically separate the cells and breaks it apart and then the rat dies. So what are the conclusions? In conclusion, our data showed that 
exposure of male rats to GO elicited oxidative stress responses in the kidneys. The toxic effects of GOs are associated with disruption of antioxidant enzyme activities, a subsequent increase in lipid peroxidation and marked morphological alteration in the experimental rats. In the present work, however, we only provide preliminary information on toxicity of GO in rats. Further experimental verification and mechanistic elucidation are required before GO is widely used for biomedical applications. Okay, so, um, and this acknowledgement was funded by the US Department of Defense and also funded by the National Institute of Health. Why is the US Department of Defense interested in applying graphene oxide into rats? And of course, we'll find that out. Like what, how is graphene oxide in rats become a weapon? Let's find out. Okay, so there's that, there's that one. So, you know, you, you kind of have to ask some of these questions. So then maybe you're gonna get some answers in the further research. So here is another one um, that the graphene oxide alters the immune cells in the liver and the spleen of mice as a typical immune response to its exposure. So, um, and I just found two, a couple, and I read through a couple of these very, very easily doing scholar.google.com. And there are plentiful of published research articles on how graphene oxide is toxic to the animal subject and how nanoparticles are toxic to the subjects because they all cluster in major vital organs that pump lots of blood through. So, um, you know, after you read a couple of these, it's extremely easy to deduce that graphene oxide is a poison to animals when ingested. But let's take a look because, um, you know, research likes to, to look at things. So this, this one is, this article is from Science Direct and basically it's about altered immune cells in the liver and the spleen of mice as a typical immune response to graphene oxide exposure. And um, you can go through and read the ex the abstract of that, and then it kind of goes over, um, you know, what graphene oxide looks like. It looks like a graph. That's why they call it like a graph. So just memorize this because we're going to be looking a little bit later at um, the ingredient in the mRNA vaccines being potentially graphene oxide. And of course they alter um, immune cells in multiple organs. And we saw in the previous study that um, they basically go in and they change the cells um, of the rat. So this is another one that's basically saying the same exact thing, okay? So I'm gonna, the link for this article is in the description. I'm gonna go to the next one. Here's another one, um, blood exposure to graphene oxide may cause anaphylactic death in non-human primates. So then they, they went from rats and then, then they tried it in non-human primates to you know, get closer to, um, to people. And 
the non-human primates had anaphylactic death. So, um, you know, and, and here's all the different researchers that were part of that research to see what happens when you put graphene oxide into primates. So, um, so here are the highlights of the article. Uh, you know, blood exposure to graphene oxide causes anaphylactic death in primate animals. Lung circulation and uh, distal lung deposition contribute to anaphylactic reaction. Anaphylactic reaction was manifested by elevated IgE levels and severe lung injury. So um, if, you, if you remember in the previous COVID series uh, episode that I did over the animal trials um, and in the human um, trials, the, the initial one, one of the adverse reactions was um, DILI, which is drug-induced um, liver injury. So here we go again, liver injury. Case-by-case uh, -case allergy tests are indispensable prior to biological use of go. So, and then uh, the toxicology evaluation of graphene oxide um, and then you can, you can go in, you can read the abstract, you can download the images, you can, um, here's the thing I wanted to say. So when you're looking at these articles, there's lots of gold in them. When you see these hyperlinks, like two, three, four, if you click on them, okay, it'll, um, let me refer back to the article. But if you click on them, they will, They typically will go to other um, other medical research. Okay, so there's that one. What's the next one we're going to go through? So it's pretty much been established that when they did go on rats, the rats died because their DNA changes. It pretty much just separates the DNA. Um, and over time, they all died. Uh, they, they, they tried go on primates, same thing. Uh, all the nanoparticles in go went to all the major organs where the blood is pumped through and um, they went through shock and then they died. So uh, let's go to this next one. Okay, so Google Scholar. Google Scholar is like one of my favorite research links when you're looking for medical research to see um, if something is science fiction or it's really happening. So, um, so Google Scholar and those other articles um, that prove that graphene oxide in animals that they have tested on died or suffer severe life-threatening um, adverse reactions because the nanoparticles cluster into the major organs where most of the blood is um, pumped into, and then eventually they died. So um, really, really easy to find. After you read a couple of them, they sound the same. <laughs> sound the same. Um, and like I said, if you don't understand a certain word or it sounds too wordy or it sounds too medical, just copy that, put it into, um, 
the, the search browser, define X, Y, Z, and then it will define it for you. Um, and then you can go, okay, well, that basically means that the kidney screwed. Okay, that basically means that the lung is screwed. Okay, that basically means that um, you, the anus is screwed. <laughs> so <laughs> that's pretty much what it is, but um, okay. So let's go to Google. So I, what I wanted to do is I wanted to have you guys and all this, if you want to go through the research yourself. So here is some suggested keywords, hydrogel graphene oxide. So let's see what we get. Okay, hydrogel graphene oxide. So of all the published medical research, um, the concept that graphene oxide and hydrogel are being combined in um, emerging medicine is actually true. Because look at all these papers from different published researchers, um, graphene oxide and DNA in multifunctioning hydrogels, high strength graphene oxide, composite hydrogels, um, graphene oxide conducting polymer composite hydrogels. I mean, it just goes on and on. So they've been doing some research. This one's from 2012. This one's from 2011. Um, this one's, you know, and you can go, I'm gonna go to page 10 of the results. Oh, they go even more. All right, so, um, you know, if you guys want to read all those dry ones, Basically, the point that I'm making here is that they have been researching graphene oxide and combining of hydrogels in um, vaccine creation for a very, very long time. And I've already proven to you guys by looking at other medical published research that they have been doing around the world that it is toxic and it kills um, primates and also the rats. If it doesn't kill them, they're in, they're completely impaired. All right, so they're this they're disabled basically. So listen, let's another suggested keyword to look up. Okay, graphene oxide on the immune system. What is the what does it do? So all of the published medical findings. Um, here they are: effects of graphene oxide nanoparticles on the immune system. Um, and whole blood cell structure. There's an interesting cytotoxicity and immune dysfunction of dendritic cells caused by graphene oxide. Mm. Graphene and the immune system challenges and potentials. And this goes on and on and on and on. So you can see all the research and this you know, multiple pages of results of published scientific research on graphene oxide being used in the medical world. So let's take a look at this. Let me look at this one right here, cytotoxicity. Open a Firefox. Okay, cytotoxicity is from Frontiers in Pharmacology. Um, August 2020, cytotoxicity and immune dysfunction caused by graphene oxide. So there's all the uh, researchers. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of scroll down and 
and read all the information. And they all look like this. And they'll have pictures of what it looks like. And look, there's a there's even a microscopic picture of Go. You see this? It looks like it's folding. Looks like it's folding. All right. So and they always all the goals in the system, they try to connect to each other. They they start building these connectors because they're attracted to each other. Okay. So um Here's more. This is this is a microscopic image of uh, a control group that doesn't have go um, in the bloodstream. And then once they apply go to this test subject, it starts clustering. Okay, all right. So what it that's what it does. Okay. So, anyways, you guys can go through that. Um, very easy to prove. Even it says in the title of the article, it's title toxicity to immune system. So go is toxic to the immune system, meaning it's going to harm you and potentially kill you. So um, just explain that really easily. So I bring the scholar.google up for you guys. You guys can do your own research and make up your own minds of, um, is it healthy to apply go in your food, your water, in your vaccines, and then put it in your body? It was not so successful for the rat, the rats in the lab studies or the primates. Let's try it in humans. Um, so this is Dr. Antoinette Antoinetta M. Gatti. And let's look at her CV, okay? Because um, I don't bring you conspiracists, I bring you legitimate professionals with lots of accolades. So she is a chief of laboratory at Bio materials laboratory at the University of Modena uh, e Reggio Emilia, which is like an Italian university. And there's all her information. And basically her background, Ms. Dr. Gotti's background is she's the coordinator of the Italian Institute of Technology's project of nano ecotoxicology. She is a selected expert of the FAO and who for safety in nanotechnological food and member of the nanotox cluster of the European Commission. I want you guys to remember that the European Commission is, and the WHO is funding research in the use of these elements in our food. So she is also the author of the book, Nanopathology, the Health Impact of Nanoparticles. And she also founded a laboratory called Nano diagnostics for the evaluation of pathological tissues of patients. Um, so anyways, you can see her CV. She's obviously knows what she's talking about. So um, the reason why I bring up her CV so that you guys know that is because um, of this article, okay? And so this is, the link, Dr. Antoinetta Gatti, okay? So she's an experimental physicist and biomaterial researcher, and she examined various PCR test rods under the microscope and analyzed its ingredients. Uh, Antoinetta Gatti is also the coordinator of Italian Institute of Technology's project of nano ecotoxicology. So anyways, I just wanted to, to prove to you that Dr. Um, Gatti is uh, 
highly credible in what she does, and she was researching the PCR test swab. So let's take a look at this article here. What is in the PCR test? Okay. So if you look at this image, you see high microscopic images of the within the test rod. Okay. And they look like a bet asbestos in the body. So you can read that article, and this is another image, high resolution image of the PCR test. Okay. And then they have these little fibers that come out of the, the test sticks. Okay. So why is this alarming? Why is this alarming? Let's find out. Okay. So here is a detail uh, one. So this figure here, uh, the nylon hollow fibers at the broken end of test swabs. All right. And then this next figure, for comparison, a picture of a classic cotton wool under a microscope. So let me click on it so you guys can see it. So that's the, what it looks like under a microscope, the cotton wool. All right. And this is the image of the fibers of the PCR test in the little PCR sticks. That's what it looks like. All right. Next one. Uh, figure four and five, broken shape ends to disrupt the epithelium surface layer on the mucosa, thereby also their breakage and subsequent leaching of the fiber content. DARPA, hydrogel, and lithium. The threads are patented by DARPA. So see these images here? So here's the different threads that are in the PCR test. They are patented by DARPA. That's why they call them the DARPA hydrogel or hydrogel. Figure six, longitudinally open fiber with broken end and DARPA hydrogel cotton ball. So let's see what it looks like. See more what it looks like. Okay. Next image. On the slide, after mechanical manipulation, which is identical to the swab, nasal material that contains crushed nylon fibers, hydrogel, and lithium. This material remains in the nasal after spawning. Okay, so once you stick this in your nose, this material stays in your nose. That's what it looks like under a microscope. Next one, figure eight and nine, DARPA hydrogel beads that form the context or content of hollow nylon fibers. Let's see what that looks like. Okay, so here, here it is under a microscope. That's what it looks like. Okay, interesting. Next image, figure 10 to 11, after contact of the DARPA hydrogel with organic fluids, within a few minutes, they begin to form rectangular crystal structures. These gradually grow into a fractal manner. Okay, well, let's see what that looks like. Okay. So the hydrogel in these PCR test swabs that you stick in your nose start creating these crystal looking images, all right? The result of crystallization after 24 hours. So what happens in your nose after 24 hours? Okay, it starts looking like a grid, starts looking like a grid, all right? Okay. Figure 13, these DARPA hydrogel crystals create a 3D spatial structure and grow through the tissues. Okay, so what happens here? 
look at that. They're all, the hydrogel is creating grids. They're connecting to each other. They start looking like, like a 3D structure in your nose. Okay, let's go to the next one. Figure 14, DARPA hydrogel crystals grow under the microscope in the direction of the magnetic field. Magnetic field? In the human nasopharynx, after swabs, grows towards the pineal gland. All right, so the pineal gland, your third eye, has electromagnetic components to it. The pineal creates a locally stronger magnetic field than the Earth's electromagnetic field. Well, let's take a look at that image. Go figure. So now they're all starting to move into a certain direction towards where the electromagnetic are coming from. So in the human body, it's moving towards the pineal gland, your third eye. So these little nanoparticles in the hydrogel are moving towards the third eye because humans pineal gland sends out more energy than the earth itself. So how interesting is that? Let's go to the next one. Figure 15 and 16, natural crystallization of saliva without DARPA hydrogel. Crystals do not create 3D spatial models and do not even form rectangular structures and do not grow in a fractal way. Okay, all right. So, so here, here's the hydrogel and they're all broken up and they're not, they're not organizing. Okay, so why, again, why don't natural crystallization of saliva without diabetes? Okay. So saliva will crystallize on its own without hydrogel, but, and it will look like this, it's all kind of broken up. But with hydrogel, it starts forming into a grid and it starts moving towards your pineal gland because that's where electromagnetic energy is coming from. Uh, figure 18, the effect of saliva of human who overcome COVID naturally and has antibodies. Such saliva was added to the left side of the structures in figure 17 and came almost immediately to the permanent disintegration of DARPA hydrogel crystal structures. All right, so let's take a look. So on the left side, what they did was they put the saliva of somebody who created natural antibodies to COVID um, by catching it and then creating their own natural antibodies. And they put that into there. And on the left side, you see that even if that person was doing a um, PCR test with the swabs, that their saliva, that it just basically breaks apart. But on the right side of somebody who, where the saliva was not added, it doesn't break apart. Okay, so that's interesting. Okay, figure 19. Ivermectin was added to the right side of the structures in figure 17 and occurred immediately to the complete and permanent disappearance of the DARPA hydrogel crystal structures. This clearly shows that ivermectin has an incredibly strong effect against what makes high DARPA hydrogel in our organisms. So let's see, ooh, that's a good image. So this image again is a high microscopic image. So when somebody puts the 
a PCR test up the nose. Um, and if it has hydrogel in it, which this um, research is saying it does, what, it, it starts forming. But once they take ivermectin, after they do the PCR test on the right, shows the image that it completely breaks apart. It's gone. It completely disappears. So that's really good to know that ivermectin, a simple, cheap, repurposed drug, will completely disintegrate hydrogel in the PCR test. So if you guys have to take a PCR test for work, um, according to this research, you take ivermectin afterward, and it will clear up the negative effects of the hydrogel that is possibly on that PCR test that is creating these weird things in, in the recipient's body. That could also explain why in some of my other interviews, when I interviewed um, the two ladies who had adverse reactions after taking the mRNA vaccines, that they started to just get prescriptions um, on their own or through other people who were willing to help them. They started to get ivermectin and um, ivermectin was helping them a lot with the adverse reactions. Is there a link that ivermectin is breaking down the components in the vaccine that is producing the adverse reactions in their body? This would, this would be a probable question to ask because this is saying that ivermectin completely gets rid of the negative effects of um, hydrogel. So let's look at this one, figure 20, normal live red blood cells. So here's normal red blood cells, they're doing their thing, all right. And figure 21, the addition of DARPA hydrogel from the test rod resulting a total massacre of red blood cells. All right, let's see what happens. Yep, yep. So when you, the person takes the PCR test with the hydrogel, their blood cells, it, it completely is, is, is not moving around in nice forming circles, it's completely done. So let me look, give you guys, this is before the PCR swab, and this is what your cells look afterward, all right? So get ivermectin, take it after a PCR test if you have to take it for work because your work's an idiot and making you take it. Take that, because um, this research is saying it will help. Okay, so now let's look at this. Figure 22, DARPA hydrogel forms blood clots within a few seconds. These subsequently damage and clog blood vessels. So if you look at this high image, this is what, this looks like a fold. It looks like a fold, okay? So just remember that, fold. So that is the study, and there is some um, images of Dr. Peter Maloney Foundation talking about this um, and what he found. And of course, more scientific articles going over their, the, the research as well. Okay. So um, that, thank you, Dr. Gotti, for bringing that information to us. So. Um, I think the CDC in the United States uh, ruled out PCR tests as not being um, reliable because they can't tell the difference between COVID or the flu. But this is another reason why we should not be using the PCR test to test any of this stuff because uh, what it does to your blood cells. But the good, the good takeaway is that 
take ivermectin right afterwards if you have to take one of these uh, PCR tests and it will help completely clear up the negative effects of hydrogel. Okay, so like the, uh, the search on scholar.google.com where I had you guys search um, if hydrogel is also being used with graphene oxide in vaccines. Um, obviously they are, they, they work hand in hand. So let's, let's unravel more of this research to see why graphene oxide um, is potentially being put into vaccines. So this is an image of um, Ricardo Delgado. So Ricardo Del, Del Grotto and many scientists from the University of Almeria in Spain analyzed the mRNA vaccines and they analyzed a couple of different versions. Um, and what they discovered according to their research is that it's 98% poisonous graphene oxide inside it, which is causing the magnetism and the blood clots. So as we've seen in the research before, Graphene oxide is attracted to each other, is it, and it's been attracting to, you know, mag, has magnetic properties. And the reason why it has magnetic properties is because um, it's picking up um, energy. So, like the pineal gland sends out a lot of magnetic energy, is moving towards wherever the magnetic energy is. So. Um, what he says and what his, the researchers at the University of Ameria in Spain are saying is that the vaccinated are turning into radial signals, which is causing, um, like I said, magnetism and blood clots, and which is also why they're potentially magnetic. So what his organization is doing is they're suing their government for damages to the population and an immediate halt to the mass vaccination program or and propaganda. Um, he also says that the antidote is glutathione vitamins. It helps detox the body. So um, I'm going to play this, this video for you. It's in Spanish. If you can't understand Spanish, um, just click on the link and it will uh, open up the video for you. And it actually has translations in it. But um, in short, you know, it says right here, 98% to 99% of the vial is precisely graphene oxide. That is the main component of the vaccine is graphene oxide. So um, actually I'm not... A continuación, la quinta columna le proporciona una información vital para su salud, integridad física y la de su entorno. Las mascarillas que están utilizando y que se comercializan en la actualidad contienen óxido de grafeno, no solo las que fueran retiradas en su momento, como indicaron los medios de comunicación. Los isopos utilizados tanto en los test PCR como en los test de antígenos contienen igualmente nanopartículas de óxido de grafeno. Las vacunas COVID en todas sus variantes, AstraZeneca, Pfizer, Moderna, Sinovac, Janssen, Johnson Johnson, etc., 
contienen igualmente una considerable dosis de nanopartículas de óxido de grafeno. Ese ha sido el resultado de su análisis a la microscopía electrónica y espectroscopia, entre otras técnicas utilizadas por diversas universidades públicas de nuestro país. La vacuna antigripal contenía nanopartículas de óxido de grafeno y las nuevas vacunas antigripales y las nuevas y supuestamente vacunas anti-COVID intranasales que preparan contienen igualmente enormes dosis de nanopartículas de óxido de grafeno. El óxido de grafeno es un tóxico que genera en el organismo trombos. El óxido de grafeno es un tóxico que genera coagulación de la sangre. El óxido de grafeno provoca alteración del sistema inmunológico al descompensar el equilibrio oxidante en relación con las reservas de glutatión. Si se aumenta la dosis de óxido de grafeno por cualquier vía de administración, se provoca el colapso del sistema inmunológico y la posterior tormenta de citocinas. El óxido de grafeno acumulado en los pulmones genera neumonías bilaterales por diseminación uniforme en el tracto alveolar pulmonar. El óxido de grafeno provoca un sabor metálico. Quizás esto le empiece a encajar ahora. El óxido de grafeno por vía inhalada provoca inflamación de las mucosas y con ello pérdida de gusto y pérdida parcial o total de olfato. El óxido de grafeno adquiere potentes propiedades magnéticas dentro del organismo. Esta es la explicación al fenómeno magnético que presentan ya millones de personas a lo largo y ancho del mundo tras distintas vías de administración del óxido de grafeno, entre ellas la vacuna. En definitiva, el óxido de grafeno es el supuesto SARS-CoV-2, el supuesto nuevo coronavirus provocante de la enfermedad denominada COVID-19. Por ello, nunca tuvimos aislamiento real ni purificación de un nuevo coronavirus como reconocen la mayoría de instituciones sanitarias al más alto nivel y de distintos países cuando fueron cuestionadas al respecto. La enfermedad COVID-19 es el resultado de introducir por distintas vías de administración el óxido de grafeno. El óxido de grafeno es extremadamente potente y fuerte en aerosoles, al igual que el supuesto SARS-CoV-2. Como todo material, el óxido de grafeno tiene lo que denominamos una banda de absorción electrónica. Esto significa una determinada frecuencia a partir de la cual el material se excita y se oxida muy rápidamente, rompiendo así el equilibrio con la proliferación en el organismo del tóxico frente a nuestras reservas antioxidantes naturales de glutatión. Precisamente, dicha banda de frecuencias se emite en los nuevos anchos de banda de emisión de la nueva tecnología inalámbrica 5G. Es por ello que la implantación de estas antenas nunca se detuvo durante la pandemia. De hecho, eran de los pocos servicios que se mantenían aparte de una especial vigilancia por parte de las fuerzas y cuerpos de seguridad del Estado a estas antenas. 
Sospechamos que en la campaña antigripal 2019 se introdujo óxido de grafeno en estos viales, puesto que ya se usaba como ayudante. Con los posteriores ensayos tecnológicos 5G en distintas partes del mundo, se desarrolló la enfermedad COVID-19 en interacción de los campos electromagnéticos externos y el óxido de grafeno ahora en sus cuerpos. Recuerden que todo empezó en Wuhan y esta fue la primera ciudad muestra piloto del mundo en hacer el ensayo tecnológico 5G a finales de noviembre de 2019. Coincidencia en espacio y en tiempo. Tanto la versión del pangolín como la sopa del murciélago simplemente eran elementos de distracción. El propósito de la introducción del óxido de grafeno es aún más oscuro de lo que usted pueda llegar a imaginar. Por ello, es más que suficiente que asimile esta información y resete el conocimiento que hasta ahora tenía de la enfermedad. Desde las más altas instituciones gubernamentales se le dice a la población que se proteja e incluso se le obliga con aquello que potencialmente le va a enfermar de la propia enfermedad. Lógicamente, ahora que ya sabe que el causante o agente etiológico de la enfermedad es precisamente un tóxico químico y no un agente biológico, sabemos cómo atenuarlo, aumentando los niveles de glutatión. El glutatión es un antioxidante natural que presentamos en reservas en el organismo. Sirvan algunos detalles para que usted entienda perfectamente todo lo que se vertió en los medios de comunicación. El glutatión es extremadamente alto en niños, por ello la enfermedad apenas tiene impacto en la población infantil. El glutatión desciende muy considerablemente a partir de los 65 años de edad, por ello la COVID-19 es especialmente predominante en la población senil. El glutatión está en muy altos niveles en la población que practica deporte de forma intensiva. Por ello, tan solo el 0,22% de los deportistas presentó la enfermedad. Entenderá ahora por qué infinidad de estudios en la práctica demostraron que el tratamiento con N-acetilcisteína, que es precursor del glutatión en el organismo, o el glutatión administrado de forma directa, curaba muy rápidamente la enfermedad COVID-19 en los pacientes. Sencilla y llanamente porque se elevaban los niveles de glutatión con los que hacer frente al tóxico administrado llamado óxido de grafeno. El descubrimiento que aquí hizo la quinta columna supone un ataque en toda regla de bioterrorismo de Estado, o al menos con la complicidad de los gobiernos a toda la población mundial constituyente ahora de delitos de lesa humanidad. Por ello es absolutamente imprescindible y vital que ponga esta información al servicio de su comunidad médica, médicos de cabecera, servicios de enfermería y sanitarios en general, pero también medios de comunicación, locales, regionales y prensa, así como a todo su entorno. La quinta columna estima que morirán decenas de miles de personas al día tan solo en nuestro país 
cuando hagan el nuevo y próximo encendido tecnológico 5G. Teniendo en cuenta que ahora no solo son los ancianos de las residencias los vacunados en aquella vacuna antigripal con óxido de grafeno, sino que, como ustedes saben, una gran parte de la población ha sido vacunada o grafenada con paulatinas dosis de óxido de grafeno. El organismo tiene una capacidad natural de eliminar este tóxico. Es por ello que le plantean a ustedes hasta una tercera dosis al año durante todos los años para mantener el grafeno en sus cuerpos. Disponemos de todas y cada una de las pruebas de lo que aquí ha sido manifestado y mientras la justicia actúe, si es que puede llegar a hacerlo en algún momento, la gente seguirá siendo empujada hacia un precipicio sin fondo. Si usted está viendo este material audiovisual, entenderá que durante más de un año ha sido total e ingenuamente engañado desde las más altas instituciones. Solo ahora entenderá todas las incongruencias que observaba en las noticias de su televisión. Para complementar esta valiosa información pueden acceder a www.laquintacolumna.net o a nuestro canal de Telegram La Quinta Columna TV, donde más de 100.000 personas ya son conocedoras de la verdad y no forman parte del engaño masivo al que fueron sometidas. Por favor, haga viral este vídeo en todo su entorno y paremos entre todos el destino que se nos tiene reservado, fruto de la hoja de ruta de la Agenda 2030. Depende solo de nosotros. Gracias por su atención. Junto a los ministros de Transportes y Telecomunicaciones y de Ciencias dan a conocer el inicio del proceso de licitación de la red 5G. Escuchemos. Una de las amenazas que analizamos en esa oportunidad con los líderes del mundo es la posibilidad de que las máquinas puedan leer nuestro pensamiento e incluso puedan insertar pensamientos, insertar sentimientos. Bueno, algunos dicen que la mejor forma de, de predecir el futuro es inventándolo. Bueno, eso es lo que todos aspiramos. 5G es un tremendo salto adelante, es un salto cósmico, es un salto copernicano, porque realmente lo que va a significar la tecnología 5G es un cambio aún mayor en nuestras vidas de lo que han significado todas las tecnologías anteriores en esta materia. La posibilidad de que las máquinas puedan leer nuestro pensamiento e incluso puedan insertar pensamientos, insertar sentimientos. Eso nos va a cambiar la vida y va a transformarse el 5G en el verdadero sistema nervioso de nuestra sociedad, igual que el nuestro. Yo me pregunto, ¿qué tan importante es que lata el corazón para la sobrevivencia del ser humano? Vital. ¿Y alguien está preocupado que el corazón lata? No, hay un sistema inteligente dentro de nuestro cuerpo que hace que múltiples órganos hagan funciones tremendamente sofisticadas con perfecta coordinación. Y muy pocas decisiones vienen a nuestra conciencia. La mayoría las toma este sistema nervioso de forma autónoma e inteligente. Lo mismo va a pasar con muchas otras esferas de nuestras vidas gracias a esta tecnología. Y un imperativo cuya urgencia e importancia no requiere segundas lecturas es modernizar nuestro Estado para que sea un cambio que llegue a todos los hogares de nuestro país. 
y entiendo cierto que el gesto de los rectores es de so I'm going to give you a sum summary of what Ricardo is saying and his team is saying. Okay? Let me go to So um, their website is in Spanish, but um, the link that I put in the description is translated for you using Google Translate. Um, and basically, you know, when you when you click on the link, it's already translated, and then you can sit there and you can go through all the material, the research material. Um, there's Ricardo, pretty handsome guy, and um, all of his accolades. Ricardo is a graduate in statistics at the University of Seville, a master in specialization in biostatistics, postgraduate in health biology, clinical microbiology, epidemiology, and applied clinical immunology from the Miguel de Cervantes European University, university expert in clinical genetics from the Antonio de, de Nebria University. He has a certificate of scientific contribution contribution from the University of Seville and the CP master's degree in child psychology. He also has a master, a master in banking and finance from the Higher Institute of Banking Techniques and Practices. And of course, he's a personal trainer. So um, Ricardo is highly credible in his field. And so is his team. So here's the research. And they go over and they evaluate the graphing nano sheets and pretty much everything you guys can kind of go through that. The link is in the description. It's already translated for you. So if you are not familiar with, um, if you want to change the transcription from Spanish to English, you can go up to the top um, in, a, in the query button. You can change it to whatever language you want to translate it to. So um, any other language you want to read it at, but you can go to the website um, and you can research in uncensored sites like BitChute, Rumble, Odyssey, um, et cetera, the name of um, Ricardo Del Grotto. So basically I'm going to kind of summarize what they found. Um, so they did the research in the, uh, various vaccines and they said the majority of it has graphene oxide in it or go and basically ricardo and his team recommends natural uh, detox supplements to degrade graphene oxide okay so let me go to this video here uh, and the website is orwell city orwell.city but this video here when you guys click on it you guys it will um It'll have subtitles. I'm not going to play it because it's in Spanish, but it'll have subtitles kind of explaining what he's saying. And basically what he is saying is that um, here's the list of things that will help degrade graphene oxide if you already took the jab. Or even if you're around a lot of people who took a jab, um, just to detox your body. Um, garlic, magnesium, zinc, glutathione, which is interesting, gluta Theon, if you remember, that, that's a vitamin that's high in children that produce naturally, but it, we produce less of it as we get older. But remember in that earlier study where we looked at the toxicity evaluation of graphene oxide in the kidneys of the rats, um, one of the things that they said is that um, it would deteriorate the 
glutathione levels in the rats. And that's what caused um, you know, them not to develop the antioxidants and the free radicals in the body to fight off the infection that they were getting. So um, there's another mention to glutathione. So according to Ricardo and his team at the university, glutathione is a master antioxidant, okay? Um, also, N-acetyl-L-cysteine is a vitamin. Um, Astaxanthine, uh, quercetin, vitamin D3, milk thistle, and pure melatonin, okay? So this list of natural supplements that you can take as part of your daily detox routine um, it's in the description and you guys can go on to any kind of like Amazon or any kind of vitamin website and just get all of this. It's vitamins. So if you don't use it, you don't need, you're just going to pee it out anyways. It's not toxic. All right. So um, if you took the jab and you're starting to feel not so good, try these, uh, this list of vitamins from um what Ricardo and the University of um, Almera in Spain is saying from his team, okay? So let's look at the next thing. Okay, so what are we looking at, Vaughn? What are we looking at? Is this true? Is it true? So, you know, Ricardo and the University of Almira in Spain is saying that there's graphene oxide in the different vials from different manufacturers that, that make the mRNA COVID vaccines. And they're saying that they all find graphene oxide in it. And graphene oxide has properties that connect to mag, um, the radio waves, such as AI and the internet. This sounds very sci-fi, very um, not real but let's see if it's real. So this is Karen Kingston and she's the president and founder of her own company. Let's take a look at her CV. So Karen Kingston is a pharmaceutical and medical device business analyst with over 20 years of experience in development, marketing, sales, public speaking and consulting. And she was an executive strategist it ranges from uh, Fortune 500, including Allergen, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, Medtronic, Thermal Fisher, Scientific. She has developed key messaging, business plans, pricing strategies, global campaigns, go-to-market strategies, and other core marketing assets for inline products and blockbuster launches. So she, she works in the pharmaceutical industry. Um, she began her career as a top-performing Pfizer sales representative in New York City and was quickly recruited on the marketing side of business. So she played a vital role in relaunching Viagra. Um, she has led sales trainings, workshops, appeared on Fox, MSNBC, CBS, and is the director of US marketing of InnoVision Labs. So, um, and it goes on and on, you could take a look at her CV, okay? So um, in short, Karen Kingston is very familiar with Pfizer vaccines because of her involvement in marketing and selling it and being familiar with all of what comes with it. So let's see what she's saying. I am going to play this video. 
So the video I'm gonna I'm going to put up um, is a video with um, Karen Kingsley talking about how the Pfizer vaccine has um, graphene oxide in it, and then when you watch it, be particularly focused on when um, Peter, the interviewer, says, "Why are they putting it in the vaccines?" And she looks at him confused like why not it it connects people to the internet like she like with a straight face like it's a great material that connects people to the internet so let's watch that Back and forth with fact checkers, some independent researchers who have attempted to debunk the findings of Spanish researchers called La Quinta Columna, originally broken here on The Stu Peters Show by Dr. Jane Ruby. That video revealing that graphene oxide, a toxic substance, uh, a poison, was found in the Pfizer vaccines. Those researchers later found that the same applied to Moderna and AstraZeneca is now being tested as a result of our reporting, The Truth Is Here. USA Today lead stories, all funded by the cabal, were all over me, all over Dr. Jane Ruby, and out and out calling us liars for reporting those findings to the world in a video that has now soared over, well, I think about a million views on Rumble. We have sought the input of many medical experts, world-renowned doctors, Dr. Jane Ruby, Dr. Tenpenny, Dr. Judy Mikovits, Dr. David Martin. They have all confirmed that report. But despite all of that confirmation, the assaults on our truth continue. On Twitter, you may have been recently following the hashtag Pfizer leak. We want to know what's in them. We want to know if it was pre-planned. Who's behind all of it? We want to know what to believe. So today we're going to get the confirmation that we need. It's hard to fact check documents. It's hard to fact check publicly discoverable proprietary ingredients. It's hard to fact check Karen Kingston. She is a former Pfizer employee, currently an analyst for the pharmaceutical and medical device industries. Karen, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate your bravery. We admire your desire to expose the truth behind what appears to be, to me at least, one of the most, if not the most evil agenda mankind has ever been subject to. Well, thank you for giving me a platform to, to share my findings and to, and to spread the, the truth. And you're right, it is extremely difficult to find this information and, and link it together. Um, I do have a unique set of skills. This is what I do in, in the industry. I analyze intellectual property, the legal landscape for both uh, physicians, pharma and consumers. And then I'm also a scientific writer and do the clinical analysis as well. So um, you can't expect everyone to have that skill set to find this information. Right. And the truth is I'm, I, um, you know, the whole do your own research was born out of the, out of the reality that the mainstream media has been lying to us and big tech and social media have been blocking the truth. And that's why people have had to do their own research. Um, and that's, um, that's, that violates our, our, our first amendment. Yeah. So, so let, let just lay it out there. Is graphene oxide in these shots? 100% it is, and it's irrefutable. And, and, I'll, and I'll walk you through it. So um, what's really important to know is that the, all, all of the mRNA vaccines contain what's called a pegylated uh, lipid nanoparticle. Um, and that's what we're going to go through. So if you take a look at the Moderna patent, it says right there that this contains um, a lipid nanoparticle formulation. And as you go through the patent, which I'll show you, they specifically talk about various ingredients and, and various um, pegylated formulations that have um, 
alphanumeric codes. And then you can also find them in the filings with the FDA with the IND and phase three trials for both Moderna and Pfizer. Uh, and you can also find them you know, across the pond with the UK filings. I hope that's making sense so far. Yeah, so far. So, so here's the important thing about the patent. I read the patent, it's 193 pages plus uh, attachments. And I read the patent to look for graphene oxide. It is not listed in the patent because it is a trade secret. So you remember Bill Gates saying that there was a trade secret? Yes. Trade secrets are not you know, purview to the public. So they cannot be in the patent. So graphene oxide is not listed in the patent and it lists everything but that. But I'm still gonna show you evidence that these contain graphene oxide and the patent in China that shows they contain graphene oxide. So let me, let me just ask you, why would they put every other ingredient on the patent with the exception of the standalone graphene oxide. Why would they not put that on there? Um, the, I would say the number one reason is because it's uh, poisonous to humans and well known that it's poisonous to humans. Okay. Right. Yeah, and the other reason is because it is the main ingredient in hydrogel, um, which is the, the liquid um, you know, AI template that's used for some of Elon Musk's you know, research and, and Bill Gates as far as that creating um, an interface between humans and, um, you know, the internet. So there is a legitimate theory that these shots are actually designed to create some sort of connectivity between humans, 5G, whatever this is, controlling your thoughts, your memories, all of these things. I mean, those are realistic and plausible possibilities. That's not possible with this round. They rush this thing out. They're just seeing, you know, how much they can put into people before they die, I think, honestly. So this is a dose finding study, basically oh, yeah. a live dose finding study. And those that are dying or multiple sclerosis, Guillain-Barre, these tremors, the magnetism, all these things. Well, remember, we're supposed to get boosters every six months. So we're going to get graphene oxide boosters every six months to see how much we can build up in the system. We'll go through this because when you see the nations that are being injected, we're the guinea pigs, you know? And so once they perfect this technology, I think there's a, a, a second plan. I, I actually am not super comfortable talking about this stuff because I, I don't like to give opinions on things, you know, and, and hypothesize. So I'd rather just Understood. stick to the data if that's okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so if you take a look at uh, chemical and engineering news, um, there's these non-peer reviewed journals, we call them RAGs in the industry, every industry has it. And it's basically, you know, the whales of the industry, the who's who, and they just kind of brag about what they're doing. Um, so this article talks about the pegylated lipid nanoparticles that are in all the COVID-19 vaccines. And there's four lipids and I'm, I'll go over this. So the first lipid is cholesterol, um, and that's um, our body loves, loves cholesterol. It makes it go through the blood. Then there is a phospholipid. The phospholipid adheres to the cell membrane. So that allows permeability to enter the cell membrane. There's an ionizable lipid. So that gives it a positive ionic charge to help penetrate the mRNA to get into the cell. And then there's the pegylated lipid. And so the reason why they created these is because mRNA is very unstable, whether it's synthetic or zoonic, which means it's from an animal, um, you know, or human, it, it, it's very unstable. Uh, 80 degree weather kills it, sunlight kills it. If you breathe on it, it dies. I mean, and, and, they, and the researchers all say this, it, it's just, it, it, it rarely gets past the nasopharynx area of 
any healthy individual. It's just, you know, your saliva kills it. It just, it, it cannot survive on its own. So it needed this kind of biosphere that they created for it. And that's why we have these four, um, these four lipids and then they put the graphene oxide. Now what's interesting about the graphene oxide is that it's 4,000 times stronger than titanium and can withstand 1,700 degree Fahrenheit temperature. So we took this very unstable virus, single helix virus, and we made it indestructible, or we, they made it indestructible. Um, so the pegylated lipids, if you take a look, uh, it's PEG, P-E-G. They're made by a company called Sinopeg, which is S-N-O, you know, P-E-G, and they're located in China. Now, how did I find this out? Well, if you take a look at the um, Pfizer EUA filing, they list the four lipids. They have two lipids, each of which have four lipids in them in there. And so does Moderna. And Moderna's is called, the, it's called a material safety data sheet. This is what they use in industrial products. Um, and it has a cast number and there's this SM102 for Moderna. And then if you go to Pfizer's filing with the UK, the number, the, the two lipids that are in there are called ALC0315 and ALC0159. So when I Googled MSDS cast, don't ask how I know all this information, and I put in some of those numbers, I found Sinopeg. I didn't find Sinopeg by Googling Sinopeg. I literally put in the MSDS number. And so if you go to the website, you'll see the, you know, extremely long, like, I don't know, 100 alphanumeric name of each of these lipids. Um, and you'll see it under a, a, um, a tab called COVID-19 excipients. Uh, and it says poly polyethylene glycol PEG 2000, right? And then here you'll see it's ALC0159 and this company is located in China. Um, and then if you pull from the patent, from the Moderna patent, they list out all the different um, polyethylene glycol 200, PEG 200, PEG 2000. And you will find those listed under the COVID-19 excipients in Sinopec. Um, so it, it's right there. It's being manufactured in China. And so there's other vaccines that are mRNA vaccines that are not being sold in the United States. You can find those excipients here too um, by the CAS number, the material safety data sheet CAS number. Um, and so if you want to know what is graphene, you know, what they explain here on Cinepeg is it is the core shell structured polyethylene glycol functionalized graphene for energy storage polymer, polymer dielectrics, combined mechanical and dielectric performances. So what that means is that graphene is um, a, a conductor, it can be, can be a conductor of electricity. If it has a positive charge, and, and this is in all the, some of the studies from the NIH and Moderna and stuff, if graphene gets a positive charge, it annihilates anything it comes in contact with. Right now, they're not charged, they're neutralized. You're like, well, how does it have a positive charge to get into the cell? That's that other lipid, that ionizable lipid that gives it the positive charge for cell penetration. But these currently are not, um, they're neutral. They have a neutral field. Um, but if, they are, if there is an electromagnetic field that activates a positive charge, um, potentially there will, we, there will be damage and potentially death depending on where these nanoparticles ended up in people's bodies and how much of them did. So... It's so, apparent to me that they're lying to the world. Uh, they're trying yeah. to hide this. This is the, the secret ingredient. Uh, lead stories, USA Today, all these other publications fact-checking this program. It appears to me that they are out and out lying. We're going to get to who's in on all of this in a minute because I'm going to ask you, but why are they using this graphene oxide? It's a toxic substance. It's poisonous. Why, would, why are they using it? 
um, be, because it's a great conductor of, elect of electricity and it, it's a, it, it, can, it can host a magnetic field. So it, it can literally, it, it, it can connect you to the internet. That's okay. why. All right. I just wanted to make sure that I was clear on that because I know that you're not comfortable opining opinions, things like that. I just want to make sure factually that that's, that's what uh, it can do. That's what it's capable of doing. Yeah. So, and I mean, I, I haven't had the chance, but I, I could probably go into some tech publications and AI publications, and, and we can find more information on how graphene oxide is a great... Um, well, the bottom line is it's poisonous. It's poisonous. It's, 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 it, it annihilates if it has a positive charge. It annihilates anything that it comes into contact with. It's toxic for humans. It should not be in there, and it is. That That is what I needed to know. Who's behind this? That's what I'd like to know. Who's behind all of this? Um, well, I don't... So, Liff, um, hold on. This I didn't put this in here, but the there's a company called Shanghai Nanotech and they filed a patent and you can for graphene oxide for the use in COVID-19 excipients. Um, and um, this is a meeting of them at their, their headquarters. And that looks like, I think his name's Tail Zacks, the, the chief technology officer for Moderna. Mm -hmm. um, then if you go to the World Health Organization website, there is a um, page where they talk about um, how the global world needs to work together on these COVID-19 vaccines. It's from sometime last year. And you'll see the usual suspects there. You'll see like Peter Daznak and, and the, the names from Moderna and um, several names from the NIH and NIAD. So uh, there is a large group of uh, billionaires and uh, millionaires many, many, time, many times over that have coordinated um, for the uh, development and execution um, of, of these products. So you knowing this, you bringing this, this confirmation, why would the, I guess, I mean, this is opinion. So you, you just tell me if you're not comfortable answering this, but I got to ask, why would people like President Trump, Ron DeSantis, Sean Hannity, what do they have in, in what stake in the game do they have? How do they not know this stuff? They have, I mean, if no, we... there's no way they could know this stuff. I, I, I want to be. Um, when I, uh, sorry, when I found out, when I read this information, I, I didn't know um, a woman could cry as hard as I cried. So um, I sent an email out on, on May 26 to about 30 outlets. With this information, I sent an email summarizing it. These are bioweapons. Um, I even spoke to, and I, I don't mean to be disparaging to anybody, I even spoke to American frontline doctors and stuff. And after I spoke to them, you know, some of the doctors still went on saying, well, as long as you're, you know, if you're over under 30, you shouldn't get the vaccines. And I called them up. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? These are bioweapons. Like, we can't say that. So the cognitive dissonance of the depravity and the evil of these, of these vaccine injections um, is, is very difficult for anyone to understand. And you have to also understand that for the whole year and a half these were being developed, um, anyone that came out and said, hey, this, this virus isn't that bad, they were mocked, they were ridiculed, they were ostracized, doctors were threatened to have their license taken away, so the truth couldn't get out there. And then when people, anyone that was questioning about the speed of bringing these vaccines to market, the need for them, even the FDA documents, they talk about, hey, we don't think someone under 18 should get these things. We're worried about viral shedding. The, if you show this slide here, the, 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 the manufacturing section of the, of the application is redacted. Right? No one in good conscience should have approved this, but there is such brainwashing going on, such control of what um, 
basically the big tech wanted us to know as the truth, which was a bunch of lies, that it's very difficult then for when someone says to you, this is what's going on to believe it. I would compare it to anyone that's been in a marriage where they had a spouse that was cheating on them. Your friends can tell you they're cheating. There's tons of evidence, but you are not going to believe it. You're not going to believe all your trusted, all your trusted advisors have been telling you this stuff is safe. Everything on the media says it's safe. Every, you know, and then someone says, no, it's actually lethal. And this is a planned, you know, planned genocide. It's impossible to believe. Wow. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm having a hard time. I mean, honestly, I mean, I'm a human, you know? Uh, and so just knowing people that have subjected themselves to this inoculation, knowing how hard, how difficult it is to have a conversation with somebody doing what I do, downloading to my brain terabytes of information every single day, trying to determine what's real, what's not, what's missing, what's disinformation, who's deep state, who's trying to throw me off, who's controlled opposition. You know, I mean, it really, it, it happens. It sounds like some kind of a sci-fi movie, but you're living in it. So you understand, I'm just trying to process all this as you're saying it. And I I'm, I'm imagining, you know, people in the media, you know, I'm imagining, you know, the, the people that they don't understand that there are billions of lives at stake, or maybe they do, which makes it even worse because they're complicit in this. They're part of this, the carrying on of this. And then I think about everybody who's going to be mandated these shots. Um, Listen, I, I, Karen, I, I got an email this morning. I got an email this morning from a very concerned mother of a, of a young woman who is going to be attending a Christian college in South Carolina. And they're going to mandate this thing for her. 18-year-old young woman with her entire life ahead of her. And she's just one of millions of stories like this that are happening here in this country. What we're doing to our young people, poisoning them. Uh, and so then you've got healthcare workers. I mean, I've, I have a dozen emails in the last 48 hours from nurses, healthcare workers, doctors, people who are working at these facilities, in these clinics, at these hospitals that are going to be mandated this. They don't want to do it. They need help. Um, and, you know, the DOJ is telling everybody that, that they can do this, that governors can mandate this, that businesses can mandate this. And so... Well, the DOJ, just because someone says something and especially this current administration doesn't make it true okay the, the doj can say we recommend this is mandate or we're saying that this is this we mandate these vaccines but i you know it's a memo i read the memo okay it's a memo that was written by Don Johnson, um she's the acting assistant attorney general to the president saying that um you know under title code 21 section 564 you, uh, you know, you can, man you know, private companies and local governments can mandate uh, the vaccines under emergency use authorization. Her interpretation is reckless and it has no merit. So it's just an opinion. It is not enforceable, period. You know, and on top of that, what's, what's happened with these vaccines or these injections, these EU injections, not only is all the campaign and the propaganda a bunch of lies to terrify people into getting injected you know which is a violation uh, of human rights in and of itself on top of that you know she doesn't mention title code 21 in her memo which is what this falls under because they violated four other sections of that title code under under drug safety drug and vaccine safety they have um, under section 502, it's false and misleading labeling because this thing is not a vaccine. There is no benefit to your health when you get injected. The only thing it can do is poison, harm, and kill. 
So there's false and misleading labeling. It doesn't tell you that it contains graphene oxide. Adulterated drugs and devices, it also violates section 5001, which again, adulterated drugs and devices is if it includes a toxin, which is the graphene oxide. Um, it also violates section 312.23 under initial new drug application. So if you go through an IND, you have to prove safety in animals before you, before you move on to humans. They signed a letter of intent for pregnant rats. If that doesn't make you furious and we're injecting pregnant women, and under the IND, it says if there is shedding, if there is um, a risk to people of childbearing age, then you need to stop the trial. We know there is shedding. We know there is risk to childbearing age. And the FDA even talks about it in their protein therapy and oncolytic virus th treatments that shedding is a real thing and you need to do animal studies first, then you need to do phase one human studies. And if there is, um, uh, you know, if there is shedding, then you need to come up with control measures so that you don't infect the uninjected which is what's going on right now. They also violated section 31242, which is clinical research holds and requests for modifications. So that says if any of these things I said, and there's at least three dozen, you need to stop the trials. Trials have been stopped when 25 people die, when six beagle dogs die. There's, they were supposed to stop the trials when they did the mice study and all the mice, 80% died in, in uh, 24 hours and the rest died by the end of the week. But there that's is no threshold here, the is there? I mean, you should have stopped the trials at the... That's the bottom line. There is no threshold, is there? There is no right. threshold. It doesn't matter how many people die, they will continue this incessant push, won't they? That, until, until American people speak up and say enough is enough, stop it, they will keep pushing us until, you know, they basically wipe out America. Wow. And they're going after the children, which yes. is what's so disheartening. There is, a, you know, there, there will be no posterity. There will be no America. You know, if people of childbearing age become infertile, and then ch children are at most risk for having serious adverse events and death from these injections. I mean, just look at the myocarditis numbers. And the numbers there are, are being... one in 25,000 reported. We know that's at least 10%, which would be one in 2,500. And it's probably more like one in 250, which would be 4% of children are getting, uh, having decades taken off their life or dying. I am up against a hard break and I have to go. Okay. Um, will you come back on this program? Because we are dedicated to the truth. You are a wealth of information. And I've got so many more questions that I would like to continue this conversation with you. Will you promise to come back? I mean, are you comfortable with doing that? Oh, yeah. No, I'd love to be on. If I'm not comfortable answering a question, I'll just say I, I'm not comfortable answering a question. Yeah. I'm okay with saying that. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, I have so many more and I know that there's going to be a pouring out of questions on my social media and my DMs and my Proton Mail. Uh, please ask her this. And so I just want to reserve the future opportunity to have the conversation with you. Absolutely. And I sent you a lot of the documents from the FDA website and yes, the patent and office. We're going to post all of those at stewpeters.tv. Karen, put it all up there. Thank um, you so much. I do. I, I drafted letters to uh, healthcare associations and I've just been so busy, but uh, obviously after talking to you, I will finish those letters today so that people can send them to their employer. They can send them to their school. They can, you know, yes. send them to healthcare providers saying that, you know, I have the right to inform consent. I'm not saying it's going to stop them from getting fired, but um, what will happen is eventually justice will prevail and our constitution always prevails uh, and you will have evidence that they can't, uh, they can't plausibly deny that they didn't know this information. I believe that to be 100% true and I appreciate your optimism because that is what I'm trying to hold on to here as well. 
Unbelievable. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. The Stu Peter Show continues in just 60 seconds. Go nowhere. You know what this is, right? Number two pencil. Everybody's got one. Everybody's got, everybody remembers filling out. We should all be filling out our ballots with these number two pencils. That's what we should be doing. But you know what's in the tip of every number two pencil, right? Lead. Put it on paper, turns into graphene. That's graphite, right? Lead. They want to inject you with lead. Lead is poisonous. Graphene oxide is poisonous. Graphite is poisonous. They want to inject your children with lead. Oh, but it's just a little bit, Stu. It's just a little bit. Don't worry about it. Just a little, just a tiny little bit of lead. Remember when they wanted to inject the world with just a little tiny bit of mercury? It's not going to, the point is it's not going to stop unless you stop it. I stop it unless we stop it. And you can, no matter what weight, no matter what muscle they come at you with, the federal government, blah, 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 blah propaganda, this, that. No, they cannot mandate this. Mandates are not legal, not at work, not at school, nowhere. They are not legal. They cannot force you to inject yourself or your children with this poison. Please share that video everywhere. We have once again been vindicated. So USA Today leads stories, Politico, all these other people. You, you, if you Google Stu Peters and put, click on news, you'll, you'll see right now, no, graphene oxide. We showed it in the segment. What are they going to do? Redact? Retract? Correct? I don't think so. Say no. Do not allow them to do this to you or your kids. Okay. So um, it's getting really sci-fi. Uh, is this real? Is this real, Vaughn? Is it? Are they really doing this? Are they putting graphene in the um, mRNA vaccines in our some of our foods um, so that we can connect to the internet? Why would you want to connect people to the internet? Well, why is graphene um, so important in medical research? That's a question that we need to ask. So graphene oxide in brain and body develops the sheets inside the body to interface the human to AI computers to reprogram their brain for new health codes. It started as part of cancer research among technologies. So let me show you a company that has been doing this. This is in-brain neural electronics, okay? And when you get into this, this space of looking at this information, there is a lot of scientific research that has gone into this. So it's not sci-fi anymore. So this is in-brain, basically restoring lives, decoding brain and nerve signals into medical solutions. So they say right there, um, high density and high resolution graphene intelligent neural system. All right, this, they stay right there. They're putting graphene into your brain as administered through different medical solutions. We use graphene, the thinnest material known to man, to build the new generation of neural interfaces for brain restoration to help patients around the world. Okay. So this is part of brain research. So Okay, so why now? What is the challenge? With more than 35% of the population afflicted, the cost of brain disorders is about 800 billion euros 
in each of Europe and the USA. The cost of drugs is about 20% of this financial burden with some of their side effects delivering additional costs. Bioelectrical implants can be the faster, safer, and side effect-free alternative to conventional medicine. The existing brain interfaces are all metal-based with considerable restrictions for miniaturization and signal resolution, therefore limiting their therapeutic effects. So um, in the front end, they're saying that um, using graphene in medical products is safe and side effect free. And we know from looking at the medical research that is not true. And you can go back and read some more. In-brain neuroelectronics brings a disruptive contribution to brain modulation. We are developing the next generation of neuroelectronic therapies powered by machine learning, AI. Our graphene brain interfaces have the capability of reading at a resolution never seen before, as well as detecting therapy-specific biomarkers and triggering high focal adaptive neuromodulation for increased outcomes in personalized neurological therapies. So here, here we go. Here, here's the summation. In-brain technology, okay, is less invasive and wireless powered brain interface with ultra high signal resolution. Let me break that up to you guys for like normal speak. Basically, they're putting graphene into people. Okay, as part of the experiment. And um, they've done it with, they put go into rats, into primates, didn't go so good, but they're going to keep going and putting into people. The reason why they want to put graphene into people through food, water, through um, vaccines is because it will create those fab fabrics, those, those graphene sheets in your bloodstream, in your body, it'll go to the brain. It will travel to the brain. They've already known this. And what happens is that um, they're doing this because it's less evasive than cutting the brain up and so forth. And what the graphing does is it is in brain technology. It is technology in your brain that is setting a wireless power interface in your, in your brain and connecting it to AI, connecting to whatever computer um, is connected to you. So now when you have graphene in your brain, um, it's trying to find that magnetic signal. So that AI signal somewhere else is going to communicate about that, about that person's brain, get all the information what's going on in that brain. Let's say they they have brain disorder or cancer, or whatever, they get all the information. And then hypothetically, um, the AI computer is going to be sending new codes to help that person's brain, I guess, reprogram itself to be healthier. That's the concept. Okay, that's why they call in-brain technology. It's not sci-fi after all. And what is in-brain graphene? Here's the graphene again. Towards no side effects. It's the thinnest known material to perfectly adapt stimula stimulation to targeted brain analysis anatomy. So basically what that means in short is the graphene 
um, is so small, it's made of little nanoparticles that they can put into medical products through, um, like, like, like we have seen in the different research studies, through nasal, COVID nasal um, sprays, through uh, food, through um, injections. That's how small it is. And so you can get it, you can administer it into the, the, the person. And then the graphene will communicate with AI through the person's brain. And there's another one. In-brain artificial intelligence towards a smarter therapy. Adapted closed loop for therapy personalization. So what does that mean in short? So somebody gets the vaccine, they get, they get the graphene or, or however way they get it. Um, the brain now is changed with the graphene. And now they can interface with the radio waves, okay, to send information about the person to AI, and AI can communicate with that person. So now the person is transhuman, okay? If the person is still alive and functioning, the concept is that they can help them be healthier through this gene therapy using graphene in um, various medical products like vaccines. The concept is that they can help them, but the data showing the graphene in um, animal studies um, and also to the immune system shows that it's disastrous, okay? So, uh, and let's go down to the bottom here. I wanted to show you guys this right here. Um, who is sponsoring it? Graphene flagship in Vierte and the European Commission. And remember in the last um, research article, they were funding what is what happens with graphene in primates, and it was funded by um, the European Commission. It was funded by the NIH. The U.S. Department of um, Defense is interested in this. So <laughs> make your own deductions, but it, this is not science fiction. It's really happening, and there you have it. There you have it. So the next question we should be asking now that we know they have been working in the medical field initially with all the funding for cancer research and other brain issues and so forth. They're working with AI and technology to um, get to this point. So this is actually not, not conspiracy theory, it's actually true science. So um, how, the question next you should ask is how will AI communicate with the brain of vaccine recipients? Graphene oxide used to connect to 5G magnetic waves in medical research. Now I'm gonna say this again because this sounds like a conspiracy and I wanna know, and you wanna know, is it a hoax or is it actually medical research that has been done for a while? And they've, they finally found a way to connect people to the internet. Just like uh, Karen Kingston said, when asked, why would they want to put graphene into vaccines? And she said, well, it has great properties and et cetera, et cetera, to connect people to the internet. Duh. <laughs> and it's, it's actually true. So let's take a look at, let's take a look at this medical journal. This is hilarious. 
So polymer plastic technology and materials, um, volume 58 is a 2009 edition of the journal. Here are uh, the people working on this technology for this published medical research. This is Yukon Chen, Seeds Lab, Advanced S. Domer School of Mechanical and Automotive Engineering in South China University. Next person, please. Um, Zheng Fen Fu, also University of, or South China University of Technology. Here is Li Liu from the College of Electrical and Information Engineering in Hunan University. And the list goes on. There's quite a bit of them. So um, I'm going to scroll down here and read you the actual science that they have been doing for a while. The, and the abstract is really good. And then you can go into the article and you can print it out and you can go into the data and the scientific finding and well, how did they extract it, all that kind of stuff to understand how did they get the reasoning. So short abstract is the coming fifth generation mobile communication technology, 5G, puts forward enormous requirements on millimeter wave, absorbing materials above 24 gigahertz. In the present work, elastic absorbing composites were fabricated with reduced graphene oxide, RGO, go. A different reduction time and nitrile rubber. A series of characterization methods were used to study the reduction degree and the structure of composites. The electromagnetic parameters of composites in 26.5 through 40 gigahertz were also measured and used to conduct an analytical computation of reflection loss. So it kind of goes on, it kind of goes on. And in the very end, uh, therefore the obtained RGO, which is GO or graphic oxide, slash NBR composites displayed promising prospect as elastic MMW absorbing materials for 5G applications. And then you have the image of the graphene. And then you have the image of the electromagnetic waves picking up on the different graphene. Um, yep. So lots of funding from different universities. So you guys can, uh, you guys can click on the full article. Here's the link there and you guys can read um, the science behind how they're using graphene oxide uh, materials to connect to 5G. <laughs> and they're putting graphene oxide into the mRNA vaccines into people so that it travels into their brain so that the brain can connect to the internet and AI to reprogram the body for various health reasons. But as you see in the research also, over time, graphene oxide um, in animals that they have tested has disaster effects to the major organs and basically breaks apart their body, their organs. So um, let's go to another one. This is so funny. 
Okay, this is the National Library of Medicine. Okay, just so you guys can get more scientific information that this is the science that is coming out. This is what our taxpayers are paying for. Um, this one is uh, PubMed.gov uh, from the NIH, and its title is Functional Graphene Oxide Serves as a Novel Vaccine Nanoadjuvant for Robust Stimulation of Cellular Immunity. Okay, so in short, they're putting graphene oxide into vaccines to try to stimulate um, your cells to be immune to various um, diseases. Okay, and you can read the, the information there. It kind of goes over that research and same kind of thing. And it just goes on and on. It's, you, it does not take long to find the medical journals um, explaining this stuff. All right, there's so much. All right, this is not sci-fi. Graphene and the immune system. Um, yeah, it just goes on. So um, pubmed.gov, you can pretty much, it's a National Library of Medicine, just like scholar.google.com to find medical research. You can um, look here, let me just do a quick search. Um, Caffeine oxide in vaccine. Okay, right. simple search. Are they putting graphene oxide in vaccines? What have they been doing in their research? Functional graphene oxide serves as a novel vaccine. Uh, recent progress of, of graphene oxide as potential vaccine carrier. Can nanotechnology help in fighting COVID-19? Yeah, it just goes on and on. So, vital hmm. toxicity and immune dysfunction. That's the one we saw before. That one's in here, was in this one too. Your graphene oxide gallic acid nano delivery system for cancer therapy. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of this research falls under cancer because it's like a big, big fundraiser. Um, so they're researching graphene to try to help in cancer research, but uh, the research of its toxicity to animals shows that it's actually um, negative. Okay. I, so that's that's been proven that yes, graphene oxide, whether it's inhaled, ingested in food, or put into vaccines and in, you inoculate yourself with, with it, does create those sheets in your body, um, and that it connects to radio waves. Uh, it's trying to go through your pineal gland, um, but first and foremost, once they turn the five G radio waves, it will connect to 5G and then interface with AI. So now you have nanobot human beings walking around. And maybe that's why the United States Department of um, Defense is so interested in having everybody get these vaccines in their body. It, it, it's not a far out deduction after seeing the material. So um, let me... So this one is a recently published one. So Moderma begins, and Moderma um, Fauci, um, 
is ahead of the NIH and NIH is also um, has a patent in Moderma and that's in a different episode where I'm gonna go over conflicts of interest. Um, but basically this, this article goes over Moderma begins study of mRNA based flu shot after COVID success. And with, with all due regard, the COVID vaccine um, has only been out for to the general public for maybe half a year. And it was approved for under, I think at 55, maybe about four months ago. And this is August. So um, it hasn't been that long. And um, there has been a lot of adverse reactions. And if you look at the VARS, the VARS website, the UK yellow card website that we have seen in previous episodes of the COVID series of Macabre Chakras, um, there's a lot of people that um, are disabled. Um, and suffering and dying from being administered the mRNA-based vaccines. So that's a contradiction to say that it is a COVID success, okay? When you finish your trials in 2023 and you look back at it, then you can make an analysis. But um, you gotta wonder about these wolves that write these, um, these articles. So anyways, uh, so they are putting it into the flu shots. So if you guys are taking the flu shot every single year, be aware that the flu shot you may be taking may have um, mRNA-based ingredients such as graphene oxide in it. So um, you wanna make sure that um, that isn't the case if that's the flu shot you take, but just to let you know, that's where it's going with the flu. All right, so I wanna leave you guys with um, a, a last thing. So this is um, Principia, Principia Scientific International, it's another journal. And basically, um, you know, it is how to neutralize potential damages from mRNA vaccines. So, um, let me give you a little bit more. So if you got the, the jab um, and you're learning about this and you're going, what can I do now? Uh, maybe this will help, okay? So again, COVID-19 has a 99.9% .9 recovery rate. You can get ivermectin um, as a cheap repurposed drug to help you if you feel like you're having a severe case of um, the flu, which could be COVID, could not be COVID. Nobody really knows because the PCR tests are faulty. Um, but if you got the, the jab thinking it, it would help you um, because of all the propaganda saying it is, nobody's, I am not going to think negatively of you because my family, my friends did the same thing, um, trusting the information that is being found to be faulty. And that's why the heavy censorship I do not see the other side of this information is out there. So that's another conversation down the road uh, about retribution. But for now, if you got the jab and you want to make sure that you don't have the negative effects, here are some suggestions, okay, in this article. And the link is in the description there. All right. So um, they suggest five things, iodine, zinc, quercetin. Uh, supercharged C60, and then PQQ. Okay, so these are all different vitamins you can get online. 
And um, if you want to know where is the science behind these recommendations, let's go to iodine. And let's, there are these wonderful treasure troves in these articles, or they're, they're the hyperlinks. So this is two. I'm going to open that one. Okay. So this one says iodine is really good. Um, so with this, what does it go to? It goes to ResearchGate. It's a medical um, platform for publishing material, and it's the influence of iodine on mRNA expressions, um, insulin-like growth factor, and transforming growth factor beta in thyroid and mammary glands of lactating rats. So, um, hmm. so I if so iodine is really good to kind of um, prevent expression of mRNA of, of your cells. Let's go to another another one here. Iodine is another one here, number three. Okay, this one's from the National Library of Medicine. New insights about the post-transcriptional mechanisms triggered by iodine excess in sodium expression in cells. So, uh, yeah, we'll do that. So, and there's so many, there's four or five, there's so many different ones. Um, let's see what they say, why they recommend zinc for the, the VAC to offset the negative effects. So um, I'm gonna hit this little hyperlink here where they get their proof for why zinc is recommended. Ah, it goes to an article by the National Library of Medicine, which zinc mod modulates mRNA levels of cytokines. So um, zinc kind of helps reduce negative effects. So there you go for that. I'm not going to go through every single one of them. Here's here's one for number three, quercetin. Let's let's see where they get their scientific evidence for why they're recommending this to help you out. Ah, this article is published by the U.S. National Library of Medicine, Institute of Health, and it goes over the effects of quercetin on microRNA and inflammatory gene expression. Um. All right, so basically it's true, all these vitamins, according to the National Institute of Health and these other medical publications, actually do reduce um, gene expression, which is the role of the um, ingredients in the vaccines that's causing these negative effects to your body over time. So, uh, you know, their vaccine, if they're ingredients, I'm sorry, if they're vitamins, if, if you don't need them, you're just going to pee them out anyways. So uh, no hurt taking vitamins. So these are the vitamins. Let's do one last one. PQQ. Let's see what PQQ. I'm going to look at one of the hyperlinks here in the article. Okay. This is another one from the U.S. National Library of Medicine. Early PQQ supplementation has persistent long-term protective effects on developmental programming of hepatic lipotoxicity and inflammation in obese mice. Mm. So there you go. Stop my share. All right, guys, that's what I'm going to leave you out with is um, that last link so that if you took the vaccine and you're um, starting to feel some negative effects or you haven't felt negative effects quite yet, but you don't want to, 
there are some vitamins that you can take that's going to help offset um, some of the negative effects of um, potentially graphene oxide in these vaccines that is going to be damaging to your organs. And those nanoparticles are not good for your organs as well. Um, so they really didn't give everyone full informed consent before they started pushing and propagandizing um, the mRNA vaccines onto the public. You have no clue about this, okay? And that is a medical no-no um, and a huge malpractice lawsuit um, I can see coming. I wouldn't be surprised if governments start paying up down the road because um, there is so much information of how unhealthy graphene oxide is for mammals. Um, but yet we're still gonna move forward in researching uh, the use of graphene in vaccines and other medical products to connect the human brain and the human body to the internet and to AI to um, try to find cures or solutions to various medical ailments, which to be honest with you, I'm not against that research if the participants are given informed consent that um, they're going to be putting nanoparticles in their body as part of gene therapy, they're putting um, a toxic substance that they don't know uh, what it's going to do to people, but it has potential to connect to AI so that they can uh, help program and rewire certain things. Um, but if people are aware of all of the adverse reactions and um, all this information prior to being part of the experimental trials and they still want to do it, that's totally fine. It's the opposite of not being informed by all this and then pushing it and coercing it, making it part of mandates, making it part of the way in which you're going to participate in society and to stay participating in society. So if you got the vax, you have to get the booster and keep getting more and more and more of this experimental um, jab. That is the issue that many people have. So now you know the information, that information about um, graphene oxide potentially in these medical products, which plenty of information to show that it is because they're already doing that in research to connect humans to the internet and to AI um, and also the high frequency band of 5G. That's true. <laughs> So anyways, I hope you guys were entertained and a little bit scared about where medical science is going with all these people walking around um, and what they, and I hope you're also empowered with what you could do to kind of help yourself reduce the negative effects of um, these mRNA vaccines if you've already taken it. And hopefully it works. Um, this is a live experiment and um, phase, I think, three of um, the trials. So. Um, if you don't want to get the jab, you need to stand up for yourself and your family and speak up against um, what is going on and the potential tyranny that's happening. If you got the jab, you need to stand up for yourself and your family and friends so that they get the medical treatment that they need if they were to develop these adverse reactions or life-threatening issues such as death and a lot of the organ failures that they have seen in the animal trials, you need to stand up for that because if that becomes you or somebody that you know down the road, they better have solutions to help you out, okay? Because they didn't give you all the information. So it's actually in 
your best interest to stand up against the tyranny. You are not guinea pigs for the government or the U.S. Department of Defense and also for um, these different research facilities all over the world that is working together to um, create transhumans. So uh, with that, I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you for listening to another enlightening conversation. Until next time, blessings. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. For more information about today's guest, please go to the show description. For more information about Vaughn's metaphysical work, please go to MerkabaChakras.com. The views expressed today are for entertainment purposes and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Don't forget to subscribe for more interviews about the fifth dimension. Until we meet again, blessings.